0: Welcome to episode four of season nine, transforming professional learning. Today's topic is designing content online, and we'll be answering the question What have you learned this year about online design and professional learning that has transformed your thinking? I'm Laura, and I'm joined as ever by my co host, Catherine. Hello. And we are so excited to be here today with Digital Learning Radio's first repeat guest, Juliana Perkins. Welcome, Juliana. Hi, thank you guys for having me. We're so glad you're here. So we'll get to know you a little bit more in a bit. But first, we'd like to begin with a story thinking back on experiences of the past pandemic year. So Juliana, tell us your story and talk to us about what you've learned this year about online design that has transformed your thinking.
1: Okay. Well, my story actually um, takes place and starts 10 years in the past. So (laughs) I have been in education for about 10 years now. That puts me starting in 2011. And I remember I went to my first technology conference and I learned all about Edmodo. So if you're not familiar with Edmodo, they're still around But they are a learning management system um, that kind of came out before Google Classroom and things like that. For me, at least, it was really the first introduction into teaching online, especially like in a blended community. I was so excited about it. I brought it back to my school and tried to get all the other teachers on board, and it just fell flat. Not their fault. They had a lot of stuff going on, but they just never saw the value in online learning. Flashboard, now 10 years in the future to the pandemic I see these same teachers going oh no I need to know about online learning now and I could get real smug and be like hello (laughs) welcome I've been waiting for you but I don't because they didn't see the value in having this online learning thing which then makes me think back jump back 10 more years we're really uh kind of bouncy episode here of Juliana's life. Go back 10 more years, I remember sitting in, I was an extracurricular teacher. I remember sitting in STAR meetings and just thinking, why do I have to know any of this? My students don't take the STAR test. And then someone telling me, well, you know, um, if we work cross-curricular, we can prepare for the STAR. Here's X, Y, and Z that they have to do on the STAR. Can they do it in your classroom? And all of a sudden, these STAR meetings made sense to me. So here I am now in 2020 with a group of teachers who online learning makes sense to them now. They didn't see the value in it. Now they see the value in it. And that just has really made me think about online learning as a whole, professional development as a whole. When a learner can see the value in their education and can really connect to it, that's really when their learning is transformed. So that's my big epic story over 10 years. Just Mm -hmm. kidding of learning all about value and education.
2: Oh, Juliana, that is so perfect. I love that. And the first thing is when you said Edmodo, that reminded me that was my very first event that I helped plan when I got my job at Region 10. So um, that was, <laughs> <laughs> that that brought back that memory. But I think you are so right. And I think this is something Laura and I keep talking about. Like, what are the practices we want to see continue in the future? And that online learning, whether it is classroom or Schoology or Canvas or whatever, and not just in the classrooms, but in the professional development world as well. So I I hope that people now are like, Oh, we need our instructional designers. We need Julianas <laughs> everywhere. So that was great. Thank
0: you. Absolutely. Uh yeah. So as you were talking, my follow-up question is Are you me? Because I completely forgot about this, but a very similar story. Went to a conference. Maybe Catherine planned it. Maybe we were all there and didn't know. But uh, uh no, went to a conference, learned about Edmodo, got so excited, went back to my campus, uh, did not uh have everyone jump on board in the way that I wanted them to. But um, you you harnessing in on that value, I think is so important. Um and also. also. So I think you are not me because you said that you are not smug to those friends 10 years (laughs) later, whereas I feel like I would be like, ah, well, here we are. So, uh, (laughs) no, I I love that story. And uh, I love to, I'm excited to talk more about value here in a little bit. Yeah. So,
2: Juliana, before we go further into our conversation about online design, we would love to know you a little bit better. So tell us a bit about yourself and we have in this series talked a little bit about our pandemic experience did you pick up a new hobby did you make a crazy pandemic purchase anything you'd like to share we love hearing those stories too
1: okay well i am i've been in education for 10 years like i said i'm an instructional designer now um, but my background's really in multimedia production i taught audio and video production to high school students and now i do instructional design so i really like to use multimedia. So videography, photography, um, anyway, I can, I'm a lifelong learner. Um, like many people in education, I just love learning new things, um, and doing new stuff, which brings me to my pandemic purchase that I'm so excited about. My husband and I bought a cargo van and renovated it into a camper van. So now on the weekends, we take this van out with our two dogs What I love so much about that is that it's given me the ability to travel during the pandemic and see new places, but it's also opened up all these new doors to learn about like car life, van life. Um, I'm taking on new hobbies. I just started roller skating again. My husband slack lines when we're out at the van. We talk about astronomy all the time because when you're in the middle of the night at the campfire, what are you going to look at but the stars? And it's just been so much fun and opened all these new doors and windows to great new adventures.
0: Oh my goodness. Uh, Okay. You are living the pandemic life, right? That is amazing.
1: Uh, That's very cool. Well, I will say just a little mental health check-in is it's not all roses, And the pandemic was difficult for me, too, even though I purchased this van and everything. So it's not all um, glitter and roses. (laughs) (laughs) Very fair. (laughs) Very real.
0: (laughs) All right. So let's jump in and chat more about online design and transforming professional learning beyond what we've always done. Uh, And I feel like before we can really dig into transform thinking, we can't talk about online courses without having a conversation about accessibility. And so this is something that I will admit has not always been on the forefront of my thinking. And I know that shifting to all online in 2020 has really made this more of a priority for me. So Juliana, can you talk to us a little bit about what accessibility means or what it looks like to you when thinking about designing online content?
1: So accessibility to me is really, um, it's really inclusive design. So when you're designing a course, it's really easy to design it in a very biased approach. You think about how you learn best. Maybe you think about how your students in your classroom learn best or the teachers you usually work with. But there's a whole world of people and learners that learn differently. Um, So accessibility is providing experiences for all people. Um, It's easy to think, well, I've got to provide accessibility for a disabled person. That's not the case. You want to provide an accessible course that any learner in any condition can access. So, for example, captions. Captions have become very prominent. You see them a lot more like Instagram just started the new captioning tool that a lot of people are really excited about. Captions are great for deaf or hard of hearing learners, but they're also great for us when we're maybe maybe we have a newborn baby and we're trying to listen to a podcast or a video while we're nursing. Maybe we are listening at work and we don't want anyone to hear. So we have our captions on, you know, people use the captions. I personally use captions, especially when I'm watching TV shows like Game of Thrones or something that's maybe a little more complicated, I use the captions to help me better cognitively understand the plot. So one tool, one accessibility tool now opens this world of possibility for all learners to learn in a way that's best for them. So when I think about accessibility, it's really a whole, a whole way of designing using empathy. How do other people learn? What would help everyone learn? It's just the whole package, really combining it all together to put into an online design.
2: Well, Juliana, when you when you said captions, that was the very first thing I thought of. You were, I think, in this first emergency remote webinar that we ever had, and one of the first comments that we had in a chat was, I need captions. And luckily, I knew how to turn on Google Slides captions, but that realization for me was eye-opening at the beginning of the pandemic. And so the thinking about accessibility has become a forefront of my mind because of the pandemic. So not just with online design, but I know that's hugely important there, but in everything I do.
0: Yeah. And Juliana, for me, something that you said, I hadn't really thought about this, but thinking about accessibility in such an approachable definition of just designing for people who aren't in your brain. Uh, that I think that's such a, 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 an easy way to approach that. I kind of get hung up sometimes on um, checking the boxes and the maybe rules or regulations that go with accessibility. But I really like your kind of easy breezy definition of just Um, design with other people in mind. And I like that you said, um, you know, design with empathy in mind and that equity of access to that information. And so that's a really good way to describe that in a way that kind of puts me at ease, um, thinking about all of the things that I think I need to check the boxes for.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you often, I have a checklist, an accessibility checklist when I design, but when I start the whole process of designing, keeping everyone in mind, I find that by the time I even go look at my checklist, I've got most of them marked off. So it's, it makes it so much easier. It makes it, makes your designs better because one thing about accessibility too, it's easier to create an accessible product from the get-go than it is to take an an inaccessible product and make it accessible. Mm -hmm. So you really want to start from day one, designing with accessibility in mind. That completely makes
0: sense. So we typically ask people how the pandemic has changed or shifted your thinking about our topic. I know that this is your background, your area of expertise. You've been hanging out here in Edmodo for 10 years, (laughs) but is there anything that happened this year or pandemic wise when everyone shifted online pretty abruptly that has further changed or transformed your thinking about online design for professional learning?
1: Um, Well, I really do feel like everyone's come to my world. Like I feel like, hello, welcome. We're glad to have you here. And it's so nice, but it's made me think that now that everyone's here, it's like giving giving me a bigger um, pool of participants Mm -hmm. and learners and people I've never really worked with before to see and see how they work and how they interact. And what I've come down to and kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier with um, I didn't care about star testing until I realized how it hit with me. Professional development doesn't have to be a get the checkboxes done. There's a lot of compliance in professional development. And if we take the minute a minute to design with empathy, if we take a minute to create value, give the teachers and your students, whoever you're designing for, give them a chance to take the learning, make it their own, take it back to what they're doing and apply it in their own world. Really gives any professional development opportunity um, the opportunity to be something impactful and meaningful and not just a box you get to check off, Mm -hmm. get your hours and move on with your life. I'm really taking all of my old PDs and redoing them, rethinking them. One of my jobs at Region 10 is creating compliance courses and really rethinking those compliance courses and how can I make them better than just taking a box off. So um that's really it has transformed my thinking even though I've been here when you get it's kind of like when you have a party and you've never had a party with 20 people before and you realize that the uh traffic to your bathroom doesn't really make sense anymore because 20 people are trying to walk from your kitchen to your bathroom now all of a sudden you can see that analyze it and figure out how to make your house a little bit better for the next party
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense to me too. Uh, And maybe in the post-vax world, we can have more parties with 20 people, maybe sometime. Uh, But no, that's a a great analogy. I am thinking about something that you said about um, not having to always check a box and really just sort of rethinking the way that we're doing things. Those are our favorite conversations to have. And so something that's on my mind right now is truly just the transformative nature of online learning Um, remote emergency online times were wild and, and they were that, they were emergency, but I think a lot of us have delved into this online design piece and I really think that online learning isn't going to go away um, and kind of like you said, like we had a party, 20 people came over, we realized that we needed to reroute traffic and so we we went to the party though and so I think we're going to keep throwing these parties, uh, but I also don't think it's a replacement for face-to-face learning experiences either. And so I'm excited just for, I think I've talked about on every episode, choice and having more choice for PD designers, as well as for those learners. And thinking about classroom teachers, kind of going back to the original Edmodo conversation, having that well-designed, organized, online classroom container space that's easy to navigate and access, like that's not going to go away um, even when we are face-to-face. And um, that's a cool transformation in thinking for me and one that I hope sticks around and is uh, kind of widespread transformed, transformed thinking.
2: Oh, well, and Laura, I think I did not even think I enjoyed online courses because I associated them always with compliance, have to do the bloodborne pathogens. And until <laughs> I started working with Juliana and thinking about those things, but I had not, I guess, experienced a great online course that met my learning preferences. So my past experience, I did MOOCs with thousands of people, those massive open online courses, Mm -hmm. and I never finished them. I didn't feel like it was collaborative. It was read something, respond in the discussion board, read something, respond in the discussion board. And when I, um, I think I've mentioned Tony Vincent, like in every season of the podcast <laughs> episode, but his, <laughs> his class um, was one that I was like, okay, this is a, an online class. That's well-designed. It's collaborative. We built a community that is possible. And then when working with an instructional designer, like Juliana, it is like, no, it doesn't have to just be re-discuss, rediscuss. There are a lot of more, ac- more activities and visualizations and That's why you have to have a big degree in instructional design to Mm -hmm. (laughs) to think about these. Um,
1: Well, it's like you were saying, choice is is the key word of the day, right? So when you're designing these online experiences and when you're in a face-to-face environment, you can still use online elements. And choice is one of those great elements. You can have a face-to-face class and let those online learners in your class do online style activities and get what they need out of the face-to-face class. So um, you really hit the nail on the head with choice. That's how we get learners to find value in asynchronous courses. You can't design an asynchronous course for every learner to find their value. They have to find it themselves. And helping them find it themselves is by providing them choice. So you are totally right. Well,
2: I I think that this experience from the pandemic. And like you said, here I am, this is time for (laughs) the online world. I really hope that that continues because that choice is so important for teachers, for students, for all of us to experience that and having the options of face-to-face online blended synchronous facilitate every word you can think of those, those choices are so valuable. Okay. So Let's think about one resource or one takeaway idea to share about online design. So we will start with you, Juliana. Um, What is one, something to share about transforming professional learning and online design?
1: Okay, so I didn't really get into this idea much, but one concept I want you to go and look up, everyone listening, take a minute to go look this up. (laughs) look up story design. So story design is creating your training based on a story, right? And how do we learn best through stories? Where do you think fables came from? They're teaching people about life through stories. Um, If you look up story design, it's a really simple way and there's a billion different ways to do it. So that's why I say, look it up and figure out the way that works best for you. Figure out a way to create stories in all of your lessons and all of your professional development. That gives you the empathy. It puts you in the learner's shoes. It gives the learner a beginning, middle, and end to their learning. Um, It provides them with closure. It provides them with real-world application. Start with the story. Find the story and find the value and the why. Maybe look up Simon Sinek's Find Your Why and apply that. Think about your learner and find your learner's why for them. Those ideas will really help make the... PD development process, a lot more streamlined and a lot more just kind of second nature than having to sit and look at those checklists. So those concepts, story design, find your why, um, those will really help you as you're moving forward in professional development training.
2: That's fantastic. And um, I'm working with Juliana right now on a project and that's what she's teaching me right now. So I (laughs) love this idea of story design. So that's what I'm learning too.
0: All right, Laura, what about you? Well, I kind of feel left out and I now want to pause and go research story design (laughs) and then come back because as you were speaking, I was like, yes, yes, Mm. this makes sense. So I kind of wanted to just steal your resource or idea, um, but I will provide one of my own. Uh, So... I don't have a very particular, you know, go-to resource that I use. So this one is more of an idea. They really just thinking about that user experience piece which really is different, I think, but also not that different than a face-to-face professional development. Without me being there as that designer of that professional learning piece for an asynchronous piece, they didn't, my participants like have not had facial cues or the ability to instantaneously say, hey, what does this mean? What is this? And so really taking that idea of Is this too many clicks? Does this organization make sense? And really, really honing the intention of design is something that um, I feel like I had to do designing for asynchronous pieces, but I know has made my synchronous pieces better as well, just thinking about that end user experience. So I guess trying to get off my own head and finding several thought partners whose brains work differently than mine to say, like, no, ma'am, this does not make sense. Do this in a better way so user experience thinking about users who are not just me
2: well laura the number of clicks i'm kind of obsessed with that and um juliana is there a magic number with the number Ooh. of clicks that you're supposed to
1: have I can't think of a magic number no like i think you just kind of it's kind of a, a feeling you know what i mean like When you're going through it, have you clicked too much? Are you, do you have click fatigue? (laughs) Like (laughs) that empathy building, you know? (laughs) Click fatigue is a phrase I'm going to use. That's great.
2: Well, I'm going to uh, circle back to this idea of accessibility. And there is a new bookmark on my uh, menu bar that is, web AIM accessibility in mind for the color contrast checker. And this is something that I have used pretty much daily as I'm designing slides. And there are colors that I think look okay, but they are not accessible. And that has been huge in the um, I'm working on a website for an online class for the summer and thinking about all of those kinds of things. So the, um, that accessibility click uh, our color checker, we will leave in the show notes. And it's something that I recommend everyone has bookmarked <laughs> to check those.
0: Yeah, that's a really, really handy piece and definitely something to add to the bookmark bar for sure. Ooh, good shares today. So we like to wrap up our conversation with each of us going through and sharing a reflection using the same STEM, which is, I used to think blank, but now I think blank about online design and professional learning. So Juliana, do you want to kick us off and share your reflection STEM?
1: Sure. Um, So I used to think that PD would sometimes just have to be that necessary evil that you have to get through. Um, But now I definitely think with some thought, attaching value, practicing empathy, providing inclusive designs, you can really create um, effective, motivating, memorable, and worthwhile PD. Mm.
0: Yay, that's amazing. (laughs) I love that. So I used to think that online PD sessions weren't as effective or good or even legitimate as face-to-face sessions, but now I think having well-designed online sessions that can provide that choice for participants' learning spaces and that medium for learning is something that is not only effective, but something to keep around post-pandemic.
2: Again, that choice.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, Choice. Always have to go back to choice. (laughs) Absolutely. Catherine. what about you?
2: So mine, um, I used to think that I didn't need to think too much about accessibility and user interface. But now I know there are daily practices, like including alt text in my images in the tweets that will get me in the habit of making all my work, not just professional learning sessions,
0: more inclusive. Excellent. Juliana, what a great conversation this has been. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and your expertise and making it really easy to understand accessibility and some pieces for designing online. Um, I'm excited for the potential of continued transformation to come.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been an excellent conversation um, and I'm so happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. And again, the first repeat guest. So shout out. (laughs) We'll be sure to link your contact information in the show notes so that we can continue that conversation from here. Mm
1: -hmm. Please do.
0: To end today's
2: episode, I found a quote from a Learning Forward journal from this summer. And this was a post written by Melinda George, who is the Learning Forward chief policy officer. And she said, Something that has stuck with me throughout this pandemic is this idea that we don't want to return to the imperfect education reality that we had. Let's use the lessons learned through this crisis to build for an effective and equitable future. Professional learning is a great place to start as we envision an innovative, more responsive,
0: new normal. Yes. Let's strive to let go, create new, and reimagine. Let's transform.